Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 561 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's guest is Devin. Devin has type 1 diabetes. She also has a child with type 1 diabetes, and they were both diagnosed around the similar time. That's not English, but I'm going to leave it in. Around the same time. You know what I mean. Devin's actually a nurse. Oh, she'll tell you about it. Forget it. What am I going to explain the whole podcast in the first two minutes? It's ridiculous. Just listen to it. You'll have a great time. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice medical or otherwise, please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I'm hoping to personally, with this podcast, put 2,000 new surveys in the pocket of the T1D exchange, and you can help. You have to be a U.S. citizen who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1 and then you go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box, fill out the survey, which takes less than 10 minutes, is completely HIPAA compliant and a bazillion percent anonymous. You'll help yourself. You'll help other people living with type one. You'll help the show. This episode of the juice box podcast is sponsored by touched by type one. Head there right now to get your tickets for Dancing for Diabetes. Are you in the Orlando area and would like to see an amazing dancing extravaganza? The extravaganza doesn't dance. There's a lot of dancing that makes an extravaganza, but I think you understood. Touchedbytype1.org. Head there right now. The event happens at, let me see where, I'll tell you where in a second. You know what, I'm just going to read it to you. The 21st Annual Dancing for Diabetes Showcase features award-winning dancers raising funds to support those touched by type 1 diabetes. It happens on November 13th at 7 p.m. in the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. Tickets begin at $15 and are on sale now. Head to touchedbytype1.org to get them. Go, go, go. What are you doing? I mean, not now. Listen to the podcast first. Oh, geez, I almost forgot to say that. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. I am Devin Clark and I have uh, type 1 diabetes. I am the mother of a diabetic two year old as well um, who was diagnosed when he was 10 months old. So like I said a second ago before we were, you know, recording this, um, you just sent a very concise, interesting email and uh, that got you right on the podcast. Good job. Um, some people's emails are uh, long and voluminous and voluminous, volume, vol- help me, Devin. Voluminous. Voluminous. Thank you. I know the word and it just fell right <laughs> out of my head um, and still very interesting. Yours got right to the point. So um why don't we just find out a little bit about your first pick through and uh, we'll see where the conversation leads. Okay. I want to start with how old you were when you were diagnosed. I was 26 years old and I'm currently 28. Okay. A couple of years ago, were you pregnant or not? I was pregnant. Um, I found out uh, on a Friday that I was pregnant and then Two days later, I was very symptomatic of diabetes, um, drinking a lot, peeing a lot, 
I decided to check my blood sugar at home and it was uh, not reading on my home meter. So I knew what I had to do. Uh, I had to go to the ER and um, it was just about 600 when I got there. Why did so. you, why did you have a meter at home? Uh, so with my first pregnancy, I had gestational diabetes mm-hmm. and um, it was just left over from that. So when you see that number, do you think I have gestational diabetes again? I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ER doctor thought the same thing. So he told me, um, since I already had some uh, medication left over from my first pregnancy, I was just on pills at that point um, to go ahead and take those whenever I got up in the morning. Cause I went in, um, at night mm-hmm. and, um, he said, get in with an OB like first thing in the morning. And so, um, I took some of the medication. I was checking my blood sugar about every 30 minutes. It was not going down. So by about 10 AM, I was well over 300 and, uh, just, really eager to get in with an OB at this point. Um, the first one I called was close to our house and I told them what was going on and how much of an emergency it was going to become Mm -hmm. if I did not get in with them that day. Yeah. Well, uh, tell people, I guess, why, you know, uh, more about medical stuff than other people. Uh, so I have a background in ICU nursing. Um, being uh, an ICU nurse for several years, um, taking care of patients that are in uh, DKA, um, some newly diagnosed uh, and some not. Um, That's where my certification lies is in uh, critical care nursing. Yeah. So I didn't know we were going to do this, but would you mind, can we go back to your first pregnancy? How old were you then? Sure. Uh, I was, um, let's see, 20... Five. Okay. <laughs> I had to think about it. I got gotcha. you. You're not Irish, are you? That was a quick turnaround on that second one. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> um, no, they're uh, 14 months apart. Gotcha. Um, the uh, the, tw- the the first pregnancy, so you've had up until that time, no medical issues with you. You're just cruising along, married, decided to get pregnant. And how soon until you figure out you have gestational diabetes and how do you find out? So, uh, just, you know, routinely with, um, the glucose tolerance test through the doctor's office, um, failed the first one, the one hour had to go back and do the three hour one and, uh, failed that one really bad. (laughs) How far into the pregnancy did they begin to do that? I believe it was around 28 weeks. Sorry for the pause. I was counting on my fingers. (laughs) Around seven, I'm so embarrassed. Around seven months ish. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I really was. I was like, oh, it took too long. It's going to be obvious. I'm going to have to say something. Um, <laughs> so until then, I know you had never you had never been pregnant prior to that, right? Right. So you didn't know what feeling pregnant felt like, but was there a big difference after they found the glucose tolerance test as a failure and and put you on medication? Did you feel differently after that? Not so much. Um, in the beginning, uh, he had put me on too much, uh, of the medication. So it had induced uh, hypoglycemia that I felt, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I was down into the fifties. And, uh, so I cut my dose in half and called them and told them what I did and said, okay, 
<laughs> isn't, it great? isn't it great how often you call a doctor and just say, hey, I did this. And they go, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess that's just the nurse in me. <laughs> oh, no. I, I see it with other people, too. Like uh, a doctor made a recommendation for my son recently. And I said, well, can we try this instead? And the doctor goes, yeah, sure. I was like, well, why did you say the first thing you said? If, if I mean, if you're so easy to move off that idea, like it feels like it's not a, a firmly held idea. And I think it takes a while to understand that sometimes doctors are just, it's their best guess too, you know, like yeah. Yeah, here it is. So um, seven months gestational, not knowing it, uh, did that have any, like, what are the impacts on the baby that we're supposed to be concerned with about stuff like that? So uh, with gestational diabetes, uh, most of the time um, with the, uh, let's see, the need for insulin during pregnancy, it starts to go up around the 28 mark, Mm -hmm. 28 week mark um, to a much, much higher level. Um, And so that's why they do it at that point and not sooner. um, Because if you will end up with it, um, it, that's where it, it really, um, shows and, and not before. So, um, they don't want to miss it being too soon. What is the management for it after it's found? It's just a medication or is there more to it? So it's different with every pregnancy that I found. Um, for me, uh, I had to take, um, an oral medication, uh, gliburide. Uh, some women have to take insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never had to with my first pregnancy. Gotcha. All right. You, you know, it's incredibly interesting the way things kind of ebb and flow around here because it has been less than five days. And somebody said to me, you, n- you've never had anybody on who's had gestational diabetes. And I was like, really? And then, <laughs> you know, you said it and I was like, Oh, well, I took care of that. Uh, but I would like to have someone on who had to use injections throughout their pregnancy. And so if you're hearing this and that's you and you want to be on reach out, um, but okay, so you got through that pregnancy fine with the oral, you know, it sounds like you cut the dose and then it worked okay. It did. Yeah. yeah. I had no issues after that point. What happens after you give birth? Do you still need that medication or does that need go away if you're just gestational? So uh, the doctor is supposed to tell you to uh, check your blood sugar um, daily for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. um, which I did. And then if I felt weird, off, you know, anything like that. Um, I would check it again and I went back to, um, a pre-diabetic state. Uh, some women end up developing type two diabetes with, uh, having a history of gestational diabetes. You have, you're, you're, uh, predisposed oh, no for developing, for developing a type two. I wonder, I'm going to, you know what? I just made a note for myself. Uh, I have a list that just says Jenny and I just wrote gestational diabetes on it. So <laughs> get her on and pick her brain about that. Okay. Oh, yeah. So that all goes well. You have a baby, baby's healthy. Uh, a little while later, you're like, Ooh, make another baby. Um, right. And in between those two babies, you, you seem okay. Or looking back, did you have any indication for type one? No, I was uh, perfectly okay. Um, like I said, you know, anytime I would feel off, I would check my blood sugar first thing. Um, and I never got a reading that was over 90. Um, so the first indication of me having diabetes was um, feeling symptomatic two days after I had uh, a positive pregnancy test. Gotcha. Hey, so... 
you're proactive then. You you I guess from your background, you were like, okay, well, I've had gestational diabetes. Now I'm more likely to have an issue with insulin. And you started paying attention to it on your own. Yes. Wow. You're very that's smart and brave. Two, don't you think most people would just be like, I'm gonna cross my fingers and hope this doesn't <laughs> happen to me? Um Yes. What, what but you didn't. So do you know like, do you know what drove you to pay attention and just test once in a while? I imagine you like testing a couple hours after pizza and stuff like that. Like you were doing those sorts of things. I can remember one time uh, my husband and I went to go see a movie. Uh, I had some popcorn and uh, Coke maybe. And um, I started feeling kind of dizzy. And uh, when I got home, I was 81. And um, that was one of the times where I felt off and just decided to check myself. Um, just, you know, knowing that I am at a higher risk of developing type two at that point. Mm-hmm. What did Dizzy um, make you think? It didn't make you think you were low, right? It made you think something else. Uh, it made me think that I might have had like um, possibly a rebound hypoglycemia. Oh, um, from like, a, what do they call it? Hyperinsulin. Hyperinsulinemia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, no kidding. All right. Wow, you're really on top of this. Did you always want to be a nurse? Uh, no. Um, at first, I wanted to be a doctor. And, and, you know, whenever I started in pre-med at college, I did not like the coursework. So I switched to nursing and fell in love with it. Cool. That's really cool. Um, any autoimmune in your family line? Yours personally than your husband's? No. Nothing. Uh, celiac? Mm-mm. No. Thyroid, hyper hypo, Graves disease. Um, now, no uh, autoimmune thyroid. Um, just right. I did have uh, several family members with just uh, general hypothyroidism, but not Hashimoto's. Not Hashimoto's. Right. Huh. I have Hashimoto's. Oh, wait I a ended minute. up. Yes, <laughs> I ended up with it the same time I was diagnosed with type one. Wow, they, you got a two for one deal. Yes. So I started taking Synthroid and insulin at the same time. Mm, Overwhelming, especially being pregnant. A bit. (laughs) I would have cried. Did you cry? I think I did. Yeah. You know, whenever I realized the, especially when I realized the medication wasn't working, the gliburide, Mm -hmm. I think I was in tears calling an OB's office telling them that I needed insulin and I thought I was developing type one diabetes. <laughs> I was going to say, cause you were diagnosing yourself with that phone call. My endo told me uh, at my first appointment that um, she thinks I was the only person to self-diagnose at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, no problem. You're you've been on top of it since the first kid. Well, so with the, with the second baby um, d- day two, because you're checking good for you, by the way, uh, you know, really interesting. Had you not done everything you did, I wonder how long it would have taken you. Like if you were just the cross your fingers, I'm just going to hope this doesn't happen to me. I wonder how far you would have gotten into that second pregnancy before you recognized it. I wonder if it would have made it to seven months or if you would have been in DK sooner and, and if it wouldn't have hurt the pregnancy too. Um, so I thought about it uh, in depth and talked about it with my endo. And we came to the agreement that um, it probably would have ended my pregnancy um, being so uh close to the beginning of pregnancy, whenever this happened, mm. um, especially at that point when the baby is um, forming all the 
the nervous system yeah. uh, portion, that is, um, it, it can be very devastating to the development of the fetus. Yeah, it's such a critical moment. Did you, right. hear, did you hear Jill at the beginning of the year, beginning of t- 2021, my first episode? I didn't. Oh, she was diagnosed right as she was pregnant and mm. and didn't, wasn't you, wasn't like, hey, I'm checking my blood sugar because I know about all this stuff. Like she just, it just came out of the blue for her. Uh, it's fascinating. But okay, so you you call the doctor, do their job for them. And um, and how does, like, what's that next step? You don't go to the hospital. You go right to the endo. Uh, so I got in with my OB who was um, older. He'd been practicing for a while. He had a lot of experience with um, type ones in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. So he immediately got me on um, the gold standard for him, which was um, regular and NPH, which <laughs> I hated. This was two years ago, right? Yes. Gotcha. And uh, so I didn't stay on that for very long. Um, being a nurse, you have to, uh, it's, it's difficult because you have to be on an eating schedule um, if you're taking regular and NPH. And I told him that I said, I can't just, you know, drop what I'm doing at work and say, hey, y'all, I got to go eat. Right. <laughs> so hey, Jim um, is having a heart switched. attack, but it's time for me to nosh. So I have to go. Somebody take <laughs> right. these compressions over. I got to roll up out of here. Nah, you're not. You're not able to do that. No. Uh, also, isn't that great? I I so thought you were going to tell me this was a guy who'd been through it so many times. He really knew what to do. Blah blah blah. Then you were like, he's seen so much, and then gave me insulin from 1963. <laughs> I was like, that was super interesting. Um, so did you? So you pushed the doctor to go to a faster acting insulin? I did. Yeah. Uh, I told him that I would be comfortable um, with switching at that point. So I believe he had left me on the regular, but gave me Atlantis okay. at that point. Um, but I was able to get in with an endo about a month later. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wasn't uh, doing my diabetes care for very long. Yeah. Um, and whenever I got in with an endo, they ordered me a pump immediately. Can we divert for a second here? Can you help people? What do I want to say? Can you help people understand how you advocate for yourself in that situation and how you don't need to be concerned with the doctor's feelings? Because you really basically are saying to that first doctor, hey, thanks for your help. I don't agree with what you're doing. I'm going to go somewhere else now. But how do you say that politely? Or do you not have to? What's your finding? Uh, it really just depends on you. Um, you know, you're paying the doctor to do a job. And so if you don't feel like they're doing the job to your specifications or standards, then you let them know. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also look up uh, scholarly ar- articles um, for current evidence-based practice about what needs to be um, used as far as medications um, or what needs to be done like procedure wise to treat whatever you have going on. Yeah, It's funny. I never until, not that I haven't thought of it the way you just said it, but it just popped into my head. It's like you're hiring a contractor to put a floor in your bathroom and you walk in and go, Whoa, I don't want you to do it like this. <laughs> and, and, and they say, no, this is how we do it. And you go, all right, we'll get out. We'll have somebody else do it then. Sure. Uh, that's really cool because, but you did it with a lot of confidence where I think most people don't have the confidence that you're instilled with because of your 
because of, you know, your experience. Um, right. You see so many people just, they take it and they put their head down and go, oh, that's what the doctor said to do. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just, it's really cool that you did that. So you go over, uh, I'm thinking you had a pump before the pregnancy was over, but I'm going to ask, how did the rest of this go? So uh, I got in with an endo a month later um, who ordered me a pump and it took about a month for that to come in. So at this point, I'm about, let's see, at the end of April, getting my pump in. So about two and a half months pregnant. Um, So not too bad. Um, But the pump was like a lifesaver. (laughs) So, so much. Which one did you end up with? I ended up with the uh, Medtronic 670G, um, which I ended up not liking. Um, but, you know, whenever I I first started, I didn't know. They just ordered it for me. Right. And, you know, I hadn't researched insulin pumps or anything at that point. So I didn't know to ask for something different. Um, but, yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't a fan of it um, in the long run and didn't end up switching after my pregnancy. Did you have a CGM during the pregnancy or just the pump? It was uh, the Guardian CGM that goes with it. That's the 670G that does all the – Yeah. works together. Okay. So do you have a Dexcom now or a Libre? I have a Dexcom G6. And you sound very happy about it. It feels like you just said, I bought a Tesla. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I was so happy. Like, uh, you know, in online forums, I will advocate for people switching off of the Guardian because um, I found it to be highly inaccurate, whereas the Dexcom has been very accurate for me and my son. Devin, here's the part where I usually say this. Hey, sorry, Medtronic. I don't pre-screen these people. I don't know what pump she's used before she got here. Do a better job and people won't say stuff like this. Okay. So, um... (laughs) I mean, no, I think one person, I, there was this, oh, I wish you, I can't remember his name. He was so great to talk to. I think we, um, Jenny and I did an episode about kind of breaking down the 670G and, and it, it was from Jenny's perspective and she just did not enjoy using it. And uh, a listener who has it and really loves it sent me this, just like this email. I was so mad. It was like, it was like, it was like we had said something bad about his wife and he was def- <laughs> defending her. And uh, I was like, well, don't. You know, I was like, come on the show and tell me, you, you know, like, I don't care what pump you use. Uh, I was just her opinion, you know, um, and he loved it. So I was like, great, come, come on, tell people you loved it. You know, it's fine with me. Uh, but you, okay. So now, I mean, really, it, I didn't want to bury the lead at the beginning because it seems wrong to use, uh, well, it doesn't seem wrong. Let me be clear, Devin. It is wrong to use your child's diagnosis as a cliffhanger in a story. So that's why, you know, I wanted you to say up front kind of all the facts. Um, so you, you, you have type one diabetes and then, oh my God, I forgot. And you, how did you, uh, how'd they catch the Hashimoto's? They just do a full blood work up on you. Yeah. Um, especially with, uh, a family history of it. Um, my mom and both grandmothers have hypothyroidism, so they just wanted to go ahead and make sure, and um, my levels were way off. Did they um, um, image your thyroid? They did. They measured my thyroid and also uh, thyroid antibodies, mm-hmm. which were very elevated. Yeah. So that's how I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's at that point. Do you have any um, symptoms from Hashimoto's now, or does the Synthroid handle it for you? 
Uh, I'm actually off the Synthroid. Um, I only took it during pregnancy. I get lab work done every four months because it is, uh, it's imminent that I will have to start taking it again. Okay. Um, But for now, my my levels are fine. No kidding. In range? So I don't think of, I don't think of Hashimoto's as in range. I think of it as symptomatic or not symptomatic. I'm assuming you feel the same way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you just don't have anything going on right now. It's tough because it, Devin, I, I will say this, it sneaks up on you. So be careful. Not that it seems like you would definitely know, but you know, it'll, it'll start like with, you know, something like you're losing more hair in the shower and you'll, you won't think of it as that, or you're a little tired or you get kind of snappy with people and you won't know, you know what I mean? Like it just, it sneaks up on you. Mm -hmm. So be careful. Uh, but every four months, geez, you must have, do you have like an open vein? Do you just have like a tap? (laughs) I feel like I need one. (laughs) (laughs) Just need like a little, a little screw to open up or something like that. Okay. So you used the Synthroid through the pregnancy, um, stopped afterwards. Yes. Okay. Uh, baby comes out. Yay, baby. Uh, and then how long until your second child is diagnosed with type one? Uh, so he was diagnosed during my pregnancy um, with my daughter. Um, I was diagnosed in March of 2019. Okay. And he was diagnosed in July of 2019. Wait, hold on one second. I'm either confused or you had a third baby. No, we only, we have two. Okay. So let me start, let me make sure I understand. So your first child has type one, not your second. Right. Sorry. Okay. Got it. Um, I was like, if she got pregnant a third time so that that second kid could get, <laughs> di- well, I, I was like, then I don't know how you have time to be a nurse if that's what you're doing. <laughs> that nursing sounds hard, you know? Yeah. Uh, but okay. So first child. So how old, um, he, she, I'm sorry. He, he is uh two and a half now. Wow. Um, He was 10 months old when he was diagnosed. Givoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Givoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. Don't forget to go to touchedbytype1.org to find out everything that they're doing over there. And if you're in the Orlando area and interested in some dancing extravaganza, get yourself some tickets and head over to the show. That's right. It's time for Dancing for Diabetes again. Everything you need to know is at touchedbytype1.org. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com to the Givo Kaipo pen, Touched by Type 1, and all of the sponsors. Please click the links and support the show. He was 10 months old when he was diagnosed. And how long had you had type one when he was diagnosed? Four months. Okay. So for clarity, you're pregnant for four months, have had type one diabetes and Hashimoto's for four months. And then your first child is diagnosed with type one diabetes. Right. Then you cry for sure. Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) By then the pregnancy hormones are on top of you. You would have cried if like I offered you like a tissue. You would have been like, you're so kind to me. Uh, So, um, (laughs) 
I'm so sorry, first of all. That does not seem like a fair collection of circumstances. Uh, yeah. Very certainly. Um, is your husband around? Like, how do you manage childcare to begin with? And then what happens when he's diagnosed? Uh, so he is, he's here. He helps a lot. Um, but uh, my son was staying with my in-laws whenever um, he went into DKA. Oh. Uh, my husband and I were away on an anniversary trip. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. That sucks. How long had you been married? Uh, a year. Oh, my goodness. I, Devin, <laughs> there. First of all, let's just pause here and I'll tell a stupid story about myself so that we can stop thinking about you for a second because it's bumming me out. <laughs> I'm sure it is bumming you out too. Um, there are times I've been married for a very, very long time. Um, and there are times that my wife and I just look at each other and we're like, I just didn't realize all this would happen. Y you know, like, I mean, I thought stuff would happen. I thought some stuff would go right. Some stuff would go wrong. We'd make a little money. We'd lose a little money. We'd try to buy a house. Maybe we'd get a better car at some point. Uh, we'd fight. We wouldn't fight. You know what I mean? Like, I thought all that would happen. I didn't think that my wife would get a thyroid problem that would go undiagnosed for seven years and really ravage her. And then my daughter would be diagnosed with type one diabetes. And then my daughter would be diagnosed with hypothyroidism. And then later my son was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And I, for some reason lived for like a decade with an iron level that was so low and had no, like, I didn't think all of that was going to happen. Um, and it's hard. It, it, I mean, when it's all spread out, like you can kind of fight it and then rest and fight it again. It's almost like a boxing match, you know, but you don't usually get in the ring and, have a baby in your belly and then two boxers come at you at the same time. Like that, that's just, I almost cursed. That's really crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm, and you're young too. Did that, do you ever feel like, Holy crap, like maybe 10 years from now I could have handled this, but like I'm in my mid twenties. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, but at the same time, you know, I'm just very thankful for my knowledge. Um, without it, I don't know how I would have, done any of this yeah it, that that is occurring to me that if you didn't have the the training and the education that you did that this really would have probably steamrolled you i imagine yes yeah wow well yeah then let's be happy for that okay um okay you're on a you're oh my god i keep thinking like it's hard to i'm sorry i'm sidetracked now because it's hard for me to think of you as four months pregnant when you get the news about your 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 baby but um what is that like? How did you, so he's with your parent uh, in-laws or parents and you're away. And then what happens? So, um, I get, uh, a phone call from my mother-in-law. She says, Hey, we're going to take him to urgent care. Um, and I'll call you and let you know what's going on. Cause at this point, um, he's just not acting right. He's lethargic. Um, and he doesn't look good. Like he looks dehydrated. Like his eyes are kind of sunken in. They FaceTimed with me. Mm -hmm. And, um, but she said, Oh, he's got like a little low grade temp. And I said, well, maybe he's got like an infection or something. So bring him in. Um, the PA um, who I'd previously worked with, he, he called me and said, um, we don't know what's wrong with your son, but we just tried to stick him for an IV and he didn't even flinch. So we're going to send him to the emergency room. And uh, 
at that point I got really nervous. And um, so I sent him to the hospital where I used to work. And um, I had one of my friends send me a text message. She said, Hey, I have Jax and uh, we're going to take care of him. And so, you know, it made me feel a lot better. The next phone call I got was from the ER doctor. He said, um, do you have your husband by you? Um, I'm going to go over the test results we got since we had some blood drawn. And I said, he's standing right here. He said, um, Jax's glucose level was uh, 1,432. Oh, my gosh. And I just hit the floor screaming. Yeah. Like I knew what it was at that point. Wow. So uh, we had him sent to a different hospital with a pediatric endocrinologist um, because they didn't feel comfortable handling his care because he was so young. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, uh, the other hospital was close to our house instead of two hours away where my in-laws were. (laughs) So, you know, it worked out. Well, Devin, I've heard a lot of people tell me the stories about how they or their children were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And this was more jarring to me because I knew that you understood what was being said to you through the steps. Like, yeah. I, I found myself wondering, like, what does it mean when you try to take blood from a baby and it doesn't flinch? Like, what would yeah. that be an indication of? And I'm sorry to ask you a because now I feel like I'm asking you a medical question and you're relating it in your head to your son. It makes me feel badly for asking, but from a medical perspective, like what does that say to you as a nurse? It says to me that he is close to being in a comatose state. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's His body shutting down. That's when I started getting upset when you were telling the story and I got the chills and I felt like I was going to cry. You did a really good job. I was, uh, you made, <laughs> if you were trying to make me cry, you really did it. Um, but that's all I could think of is that every step along the way, you were gonna, you were gonna know the the underlying inference of the statements. Um, can I ask that after the shock of the glucose went by, was it more relieving than some of the other things you were thinking? Um, he also went over the results of his blood gas. That was really, really bad. So he was in severe DKA, and I just kept crying as he was telling me the numbers because I knew what they all meant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, um, well. <laughs> That part seems unfair too. I've used the word unfair twice now, um, but it it does. Like there's something about, but there's something in there. I think most people will never get to appreciate what the doctor's trying to do for you in that moment, like get you to the care without making you understand what they understand because of the emotional aspect of it, but there's no avoiding it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they don't tell you the worst stuff until the worst stuff is, is, you know, there and and they have a way of kind of like good doctors have a way of gliding you through it a little bit, but you couldn't, you couldn't take that ride. So, um, how far were you from where your son was at that moment? Six and a half hours away. By car? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you guys pack up and head? Yeah. So, um, we, actually went to a baseball game right after that. We were actually waiting for an Uber to come to our hotel and pick us up when I got the phone call. And um, we had friends um, of my husband meeting us there. And uh, so we ended up going to the game 
but we ended up driving home right afterwards and then to the hospital the next morning. Devin, this guy you're married to, he got a nurse, a good mom, and a girl that will go to a baseball game for their anniversary? Oh, the baseball game is, uh, that's all me. I got him into baseball. (laughs) Does he, like, do you get extra gifts at, like, gift-giving occasions? (laughs) I should. I'm going to pass that along to him. I mean, really, he's not paying attention if he's not. What? Um, what? So did you travel somewhere to see like your favorite baseball team play? I did. Uh, so we live in Louisiana and um, I'm a, an Astros fan, the Houston Astros. We went to Dallas to see them play the Rangers. Look at you. This is perfect. I would like to, um, if anything happens to this guy uh, and, you know, and, and my wife at the same time. I'm going to um, I'm going to ring you up. You're a little young, but I would like to go. To, I would like to go to baseball games. Uh, I want somebody who's like, hey, let's go to a baseball game as a celebration. That is very cool. Um, so so timing wise, you couldn't get out of there. So you're like, we're just gonna go to this game anyway. Or was this your like, we might as well stay and do one decent thing before we leave? Like situation. Well, that was my husband's idea. I wanted to come home immediately. And he said, well, what are we going to do? Like, there's nothing that we can do at this point other than just sit there in the hospital. Um, So might as well just go to the game that we've already paid for and uh, go in the morning. So he wanted to stay overnight in Dallas and then drive all the way back. And I said, no, we're going to leave and go um, home, which home would be a about four hours from Dallas and then another two to my in-laws the next day. Husband's never going to live that down. Uh, you can be polite on here if you want, but uh, I once had, we were on the way to a Flyers game when my wife and I were dating and she got really kind of like sick to her stomach. And I was like, no, oh, we're so close to the stadium. <laughs> and what I was really thinking was these tickets were really expensive and I'm not sick. Uh, and I know that 25 or six years later, if you were to bring that up right now, she'd be like, you were such an idiot for making me go to that game. So I feel bad. <laughs> I feel badly now as an older person. And one day your husband will too. Uh, but I get his idea. Like, I really do. Like, like what are we going to do? But at the same time, I get you wanting to just go right away. So. Yeah, I can tell you, you know, as much of a fan as I am, I can't tell you a single thing that happened during that game. I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine that you're just in a blur, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Um, son's diagnosed. You already have type one, although you're pregnant. You're just, you know, the pump thing. How long till somebody suggests a pump for your son? Um, it was suggested immediately in the hospital um, by his endo hmm. uh, to go ahead and get him on one. And I was like, well, let me, uh, let me think about it. Um so we ended up doing MDI for three months before we got him on a pump. Okay. I just, I wanted to feel comfortable with his management in that way before we moved him to something different. And so while you're learning about his management, in honesty, you're learning about your own at the same time. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm freshly diagnosed, you know, trying to figure out diabetes and pregnancy. And that's just a whirlwind in its own. And then... um diabetes and infancy is just another, you know, headache on top of it. Well, you're being polite. Those are two sides of a, of a a tornado. You know what I mean? Like it's the, the infancy thing is tough because I mean, what could he have weighed? Oh, I think at that point he was about 
15 pounds. Yeah, so you're using barely any insulin to get his blood sugar to move. And you're getting ready for an insulin resistance in a couple of months. Right. Yeah. How how hard did that hit you when that time came? Um, It honestly wasn't terrible. Um, I stayed on top of it. I, for the most part, um, did my own adjustments at that point. Um, Now, I still did go with the suggestions that my endo made. Um, If they didn't work out, I'd tweak it a little bit and let them know. (laughs) Mm. Stay on top of it. That means as your needs increased, you increased insulin. Right. Yeah. I think that's the... uh, the disconnect for people so often is they, they just get settings and they're like, well, these are the settings. And then they're like, my blood sugar is high all the time. I don't understand what's wrong. So we maybe mm-hmm. you needed more insulin. Well, no, but these are my settings. It's like, oh, not how it works, but how right. do you know that in the beginning? Um, managing, I mean, we're half units uh, like too much for your son. Uh, sometimes we actually had him on a U 25 uh, insulin. Okay. Um, Humalog to be exact. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes uh, we would just end up giving him a half unit of U25 and that was enough for his bottle um, or whatever he was eating. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to ask if you can, I didn't, if I would sound silly or not, where you breastfeeding was going to be my question, but I'm assuming your body had done about enough by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was not breastfeeding, yeah, yeah. but um, I see people online that uh, struggle doing that with with type one and yeah, without, yes. but yeah, but with type one specifically. So, so you have to. How often is he getting a bottle? Uh, he was getting a bottle every four hours at that point, I believe. Okay, so you, how do you do that? Do you inject and start the bottle right away, or do you? Just get feed the bottle and then put the insulin how are you handling it um so they had him on i think nph really? uh, in the background with the diluted humalog ah. um so we had to be on a schedule um and sometimes it didn't work out because you know the predictability of nph uh, with a rapid acting is um, kind of easy sometimes. Mm-hmm. So um, it, in general, it was normally sometimes between three and four hours. And then um, we would oftentimes have to wake up in the middle of the night and give him an extra one. So you were testing, were you testing him while he was sleeping? Yes. In the beginning uh, it, took us uh, two or three weeks after he was out of the hospital to get him on um, a CGM. Mm-hmm. What did you find was happening overnight? Like what was, what, what was happening that you couldn't see prior to the CGM? Uh, he had a hormonal surge um, right after he would go to sleep mm-hmm. and it would sustain and then drop off about 4 a.m. What, what did that do to his blood sugars? Um. So whenever he'd go to sleep and had the growth hormone surge, it would elevate it a good bit. So he would shoot up to, you know, like 300 or so. Um, But then since he was also in the honeymoon stage, he'd start working his way back down 
Okay. And um, oftentimes find himself low somewhere around four to five ish. Yeah. I'm incredibly comfortable talking to you, Devin. I'm trying to figure out why. So when you first popped on and you had a more Southern uh, draw, I thought like I, I, to let you inside of my head, I was like, I said to myself, talk slower, Scott, like, like just don't <laughs> like try to dial yourself back a little bit. Um, but you speak more quickly than I expected you to. And at the same time, you have the, like, there's the comforting part of the, of the accent. So I, I've come to realize that the Southern accents lull me to like, they make me calm, I guess. Um, but I still have to, anyway, I'm enjoying talking to you. I hope you are too. Thanks. <laughs> That's all. And you're such, you're so good about the, the knowledge piece of it. Like I, I've not asked you a question yet that you were like, oh, I don't know. But you said you were nervous when we started. Are you nervous now? I'm a little more comfortable. Only a little more? Right. <laughs> a bit more. I mean, I'm doing my best here, Devin. What can I be doing <laughs> to make you feel better? I've gone all the great roads. I've made fun of your husband. Women love that. <laughs> I, I can't believe you're a great baseball fan. That's amazing. You're doing a terrific job, like managing your, well, yourself and your son. And, you know, through a, a, an infant uh, diagnosis, is it's just that much more difficult um, really it's, it's, it's fantastic as, as time has passed now, is there much overlap with your management and your sons or are you just like literally two separate people? We are two separate people, uh, but we are also using the same system, um, just for, you know, ease of use for myself and my husband, um, you know, just in case, you know, if something bad were to happen, you have a tan- forbid, tandem you know. pump? uh, so, um, we are on the DIY loop. Oh, you're looping. Okay. Yes. All right. So you're both looping. Um, so you're using Omnipod or the Medtronic pump to loop. We're both on Omnipod. Got it. So you're mm-hmm. looping and you're both doing the same thing, but you have, well, that's what I'm wondering. Like you have you have hormones throughout the month, but isn't he growing? Doesn't he too? Yes. So his needs um, will dramatically go up during a, a growth spurt, mm-hmm. and then they'll kind of taper back off for a little while, and then they'll go back up quickly again, and then it's you know, yes, kind of like an ebb and flow. <laughs> but his aren't as predictable as yours. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. My my settings pretty much never change, but his change frequently. That's that's interesting. Okay, so you're not too much more difficult to manage during different parts of menstruation. You're you're pretty stable. What does that mean for you? What are your goals? For you. Um so I've maintained uh, a good time and range. Um I'm not like you know, super hardcore. I'm okay in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, my a one C has been in the fives, um, consistently. And, um, you know, I also eat my fair share of junk food. <laughs> um, Devin, so would, I'm pretty would, proud of that. No, you should be. What would make you feel hardcore? I mean, you got an A1C uh, in the fives. I, that seems pretty hardcore to me, but well, you know, um, I know a lot of people try to maintain a flat line and I, you know, I know that's not 
possible, <laughs> um, you know, without a lot of hard work, which I'm not really willing to put in because <laughs> I have two people to manage. Um, and I also have uh, my daughter has catotic hypoglycemia. So um, I have three blood sugars I have to manage. <laughs> okay, so, so I'm glad you brought that up because I want to find out about that in a second. But I just want to tell you, I think what you're doing is really badass. And if your blood sugar is not constantly 85, I don't think that's a big deal. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that's kind of amazing. Are you able to achieve the similar for your son? Um, so his is going to run a little higher. Mm-hmm. Um, his endo has already told me, you know, two years old is a very hard age to manage. So um, we just had uh, our first, um, well, not our first, but first in a while, what I would say higher A1C for him, which was seven. Um, Whereas he's been in the sixes and I've been okay with that. And so when she told me it was seven, I was like beating myself up. She was like, Oh no, no, this is great. (laughs) Are you, are you, would you say, I guess I should say, would you say, I should say, which I've made that very confusing. Let me start over. Would you say that stability within a range is your main goal for him? Yes. So you're just trying to avoid bouncing more than anything. Right. Okay. Um, is the higher number in your head because does he drop out of nowhere pretty easily? He can. Uh, sometimes he can be a little unpredictable mm-hmm. um, just depending on where he is in um, his stages of growing. Yeah. Um, it, and then we've also found that sometimes his pancreas is still putting out just a hair of insulin that'll cause him to dip really bad. Ah, you're getting help still that you don't want anymore. Right. Uh, yeah. And I'm assuming too, his diet is more commiserate with a, a younger person's chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> an entire industry made out of chicken nuggets for little kids uh yeah and that's tough i actually was talking to somebody the other day with a, a two-year-old and you know they're like i don't understand it's just chicken nuggets they're the good ones i was like mm, they're frozen they're not that great mm-hmm. yeah i know you think they are but they aren't like the only way you're going to get away with chicken nuggets is if you buy ground chicken yourself or make them out of you know chicken breast and like then you'll get a more stable thing but the breading on the frozen ones and whatever they put in them so that when they unfreeze you don't have botulism uh makes it (laughs) makes it harder you you know it just does yeah Uh, yeah i hear you well i mean that's amazing does anyone ever tell you you're doing a great job uh yeah sometimes good because if they don't i i will tell you you're doing a great job thank you uh, yeah you're welcome it's astonishing you're still at the age where um if you told me, oh, I have type one diabetes and I mainly go to concerts and I don't have kids yet, I w- that's still your age. You know what I mean? Like you're getting a yeah. lot accomplished. Do you feel like an old soul or sometimes? Sometimes. Sometimes you feel like I should have kept that guy away from me. <laughs> well, uh, I'm also an only child, so okay. I I've kind of heard that my whole life. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. It, it, it kind of a little more stoic way of being and and you're a protector too i would imagine if you love nursing so much you must really like the caretaking aspect of it yeah yeah because that's a special you couldn't not i mean i don't know how to be a nurse if you didn't feel like that i guess it would just seem like a it would feel like a nine to five punch in job then if if that was uh if that was the case okay so i have to ask you mentioned your daughter's blood sugar she has what 
She has ketotic hypoglycemia. That just sent me to Google. Hold on a second. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. A medical term used in two ways, broadly to refer to any circumstance in which low blood glucose is accompanied by ketosis, or two, in a much more restrictive way to refer to recurrent episodes of hypoglycemia, excuse me, hypoglycemic symptoms with ketosis and often vomiting in young children. Which one are you? Number one. Number one. Good. Anything that doesn't involve vomiting is better than anything that does involve vomiting. I'm going right. down with that. So how does this, well, I guess, how does this show up first? Uh, so, you know, I'm already hypervigilant, um, having a second child yeah. after having one with type one. Um, so I made it to about a year without checking her blood sugar. Yay me. And uh, <laughs> one morning I go to get her out of her crib and uh, I've noticed that the crib is soaking wet. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> so um, she's also a little more fussy than normal. So I check her blood sugar mm-hmm. and it's 50. Hmm. And I'm like, Okay. Uh, that's not what I was expecting. So I called the pediatrician, um, got her an appointment. She had had, um, like a few episodes of diarrhea about a week prior. And they said it was probably linked to that, but to also keep checking her blood sugar, given the family history. Um, so we did. And about a week after that happened, uh, I go to get her out of her crib and I smell ketones. Mm. And um, I get my blood meter out, and it was 3.6. Huh. And um, I called my son's endo, and I'm like, I need to get my daughter an appointment with y'all. <laughs> Do you have a plan so, or a punch card where I get, like, a free sandwich at the end of these visits or something like that? <laughs> right, <Yeah>. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, long story short, um we couldn't get her an appointment in time. Uh, we had to get her to go inpatient about two weeks after that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I woke, uh, she woke up, she was kind of out of it. Her blood sugar was 41. Huh. Um, so we brought her um, to that hospital uh, that evening and they did uh, fast with her to try and get her blood sugar to go down to take labs um, which is when they had diagnosed her with it uh, at that point. What's the diagnosis mean? Um, so her, uh, it, this is normally a diagnosis that a malnourished child would get. And um, if you could see my daughter, she is anything but. <laughs> um, she She's uh, very well-fed and plump. And, um, so that's why they were kind of scratching their heads, you know, why does she have this? But, uh, she develops, uh, ketones in a starvation period, um, where, you know, her body is so low on glucose, it's trying to get energy somehow. Um, so it starts developing ketones, uh, Mm -hmm. for energy, um, in a state of low glucose. How do you, is it manageable some way? Like, is there any way to impact it? Do you have to eat on a different schedule? You have to eat 
on a schedule. She cannot go any more than three hours during the waking hours um, without having at least a snack. And uh, at night, we have to put cornstarch in her milk, um, which we also had to do with my son when he was first diagnosed with type 1. So, so we for knew him, a little bit about that. For him, you did it to keep his blood sugar up. And for her, you're doing it to keep the milk in her stomach longer. Yes. Similar reason, well, similar thing, but different reasons. And also to keep her blood sugar up because it takes longer for your body to process a starch. Ah, and then if, okay, so if her body's still seeing it and has blood sugar, it won't do the ketose, the, the, um, the ketone thing. Right. Okay. Forever? Is this a forever thing? It normally goes away um, later in childhood. Sometimes it doesn't. That's a shit answer. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have been like, great, thanks. (laughs) But you were probably just like, whatever. (laughs) I'm down now. I can do this now. Uh, Yeah, wow. I'm assuming no more kids? No more kids. I mean, I'm sure they're delightful and everything, but you get one more thing to do and you're going to uh you're going to be uh losing your mind i would imagine. Um, yes. how is it managing all three of these things? Like what how do you I mean, you seem unless you're pretending for the podcast, you seem relatively normal and together. So, um how were how did you find a balance? Um or have you not? I don't know if I have. I just kind of get up and do it every day. That's a pretty um, good plan. Now, I um you know, mental health is very important. Yeah. Uh, I do um, see a therapist. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I would do if I didn't. <laughs> if I was you, I'd shrink it down and just put it right on my shoulder, the therapist. Oh, yeah. You just come along for the ride. Um, yeah, I, I don't see how you wouldn't want to do that. I mean, perfectly honest, that's a, it's just a lot. I, it would be a lot if you had diabetes. It would be a lot if your kid did. I think it would be a lot of with this you know, ketotic hypoglycemia thing too, but all three of them together is with a young family is, uh, is something else. Um, I'm assuming your husband does everything else in the world, right? Like you, you don't have to like take out the garbage or move something. Like you just stare at him, right? Point at the kids. And he, he I wish. Oh, oh, come on. You gotta be kidding me. No, no, no. He can't do, there's nothing. You shouldn't even know what day garbage day is. Do you understand? <laughs> Like, if I said to you, hey, Devin, what day is the trash come? You should have to go, um, I think Tuesday. That's That would be the answer I would want from you. Yeah. Tell him he's got to get moving here. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. Holy crap. So you see a therapist weekly? Uh, I see her once a month now. Once a month. And is it just sort of maintenance? How does that go? I mean, do you mind telling me? No, no, it's fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, a check-in, make sure everything is uh, – Going okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, you know, I find it very important to have somebody to talk it out with. And my therapist also um, is diabetic, so she understands mm-hmm. where I'm coming from um, in a lot of aspects. Was that on purpose? No, it was not. Um, it was definitely um, a God thing. Um, that, uh, we were both diabetic. So you're like, so here's the story. You start telling the story. She's like, I got diabetes too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That's nice. That's a little bonus there. They should put that right on the sign. Honestly, (laughs) 
You know what I mean? I would. I'd be like, I have diabetes. Just cater to a diabetes crowd. Um, because I think it needs a level of understanding that you probably can't have without diabetes. Right. You know, or otherwise it just sounds like you take insulin, your son takes insulin, and your daughter has to drink milk with cornstarch in it. Like, you know what I mean? Like not really understanding the gravity of what's happening and hearing it clinically, I would imagine might not impact some people the same way. So good. That's amazing. Um, we are coming up on an hour. I want to make sure that we've talked about everything you thought we were going to talk about. I believe so. Um, I, in my mind, I thought we might talk about loop a little bit more, but, um, that's totally fine if we don't. Um, yeah, it's not that we can't, uh, that's why I asked here at the end. So, um, you are using the do-it-yourself loop that you just download from the internet, um, which sounds crazy every time I say it out loud, even though I know it's not. Um, I personally uh, think that the algorithm is amazing um, and does really great work. Do you use Autobolus? Or do I, you- I do. I use Autobolus. Um, I had my son on it for a little while. I found it to be a little aggressive for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I switched him back to uh, Tim Basil. Gotcha. Um, I think if Kenny was here, he would say that you could adjust the percentage that the autobolus works at um, in the programming somehow. But to ask me how to do it would be a mistake. Um, but I think it's at 40%. Does that sound right? It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. If it thinks you need a unit, it gives you 0.4. Um, it waits five more minutes. I think then it gives you 40% of the next indication. I think that's how it works. It does. Yeah. Until it finds a level of stasis or it starts to go down, mm. um, it'll start, it'll keep giving you insulin. Yeah. But I think there is somewhere in the programming of it where you could just say to it, look, if you think I need a unit, give me a unit. I think you can make that 40%, 100%. Not that I'm saying to do it. I'm just saying I think it's possible to adjust it. Um, I think... That is in open APS. Um, yes. Not hundred percent sure, but um, the uh, the one that I have, um, I I don't have that option. Gotcha. So you're not using Ivan's branch. You're using a different one. Yes. Ah, that's a lot of words that most people didn't understand just now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's uh, I mean, I can tell you from my perspective, Arden's using uh Ivan's. Um, open APS and it's amazing. It just, it really is absolutely spectacular to watch you make a mistake on a meal and for it to go, Ooh, you're going to need more insulin and just put it in. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can miss on a meal reasonably and the auto bolus, I don't know what your findings are, but I think the auto bolus will stop Arden from being more like, you know, 200 at least if we've, you know what I mean? If we've missed on the amount of insulin she needs it, it can it can get her stopped usually by 200. Yes. Uh, if you just ignore, you know, if if we were in a situation where we just ignored it and let the autobolus kick in, do you have a similar finding? I do personally. Um, now, for my son, um, we had to make a lot of uh, settings adjustments mm-hmm. trying to go from temp basil to, um, to the autobolus with him. And we found where we landed was still a little off. Um, but in talking with his endo about it, um, we found that we probably weren't going to get to the level we needed to be, um, without using diluted insulin. 
because he was using such small amounts. Um, his basal rates sometimes are 0.05. Oh my gosh. For example. What's he weigh now? Present day. Uh, 33 pounds. Oh, because he was 10 months old when he was diagnosed. He's still only like two. You're right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that's, that makes total sense. Are you interested in Omnipod five trying that for him when it comes out? I am very interested in that. (laughs) To get rid of the Riley link alone would be amazing, right? Yes. I agree. I'm, uh, um, it's April now when you and I are recording, you know, people will hear this probably will have, you know, Halloween decorations up, but, um, I'm like, I'm trying my hardest through all the channels I have. Like I'm pushing, I'm like, can I just like, can I see the OmniPod five please? Can I see it? Uh, so, um, I'm excited too. I, I think that carrying a link between, um, something and the pod is Arden's least favorite part of it. So, uh, so yeah, I, I agree with you. Do you think you would change yourself too, if you found it working? Uh, it really just depends on what the hard settings are, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, things that I couldn't change, um, like, uh, targets and, and such. Um, I know, uh, whenever I was on Medtronic, they had a, a certain level I couldn't go below. Yeah. And I know it's the same for tandem. Um, and I'm sure it's for FDA approval. It's going to be the same for the Omnipod five. You would imagine. I'm hopeful that you can make your settings so that they do more what you want as far as outcomes go. Like that's, I don't know, but that's why I'd like to get my hands on it to find out. Cause I'd love to try. Right. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, how long have you been doing it? Uh, I actually got my son doing it first. Um, I started with him in January of last year. So he was, uh, 15 or 16 months old. Wow. Um, and then I started in August of last year. In about every way I can measure from this conversation, Devin, you are a badass. Uh, <laughs> seriously. Like, Thank I, you. No, I mean, God, are you kidding me? I, I saw that thing and I was like, no, I need help. Make somebody help me. <laughs> like I, I was like, scared. No, no, thank you. Computer, don't want to do it. Uh, you sound like you just do whatever's best and jump in. That's very cool. Um, I had a question for you. Just slipped out of my head. Oh, do you listen to the podcast at all? How did you find me? Uh, online, um, on Facebook, actually. And then um, my son's endo uh, had suggested um, you to me uh, at some point, I think last year. And I was like, oh, yeah, I heard about that. So, yeah, I started listening. Um, I actually started with um, when you interviewed Kenny Fox because I was trying to get my loop settings right. Oh, I found so I got you through the loop stuff. Very nice. I like that. And and by the way, your endo, let me just take a second here to say, hi, how are you? Thanks so much. Uh, (laughs) Really appreciate it. You're the best endo in the area. There. I'm see how willing I am to pimp somebody out. If I'm just happy to say, yes, you did a great. I don't even know if he's a good endo or she. I don't know anything about it. I'm just happy that they like the show. Um, that's really cool. Like, I mean, being serious, that it's it's very cool that a doctor would say, Hey, you should try a podcast. And it's interesting that you found the podcast through Facebook because I I know this shouldn't be surprising, but I'm always like stunned by that a little bit. 
you know, the, the podcast has a Facebook page that's uh, public and, you know, basically it just tells you when new stuff's coming out and stuff like that. But then there's a private one where people talk constantly. And I think the Facebook page must have gotten a, um, a, a good reputation because now people come into it thinking, I heard that if you're in this Facebook group, your A1C goes down and you get better, you know, variability. <laughs> and they get in there and eventually they're just like, hey, um, all this stuff you guys are doing, where did you learn this? And people are like, the podcast. And they go, what podcast? And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so crazy. You know what I mean? Like that they're there and they don't even understand that the podcast exists or why, why how the Facebook page got there. It's pretty cool how the. I don't know if the snake is eating its own tail now, or I don't. I don't know what the uh, the euphemism is there, but it's it's pretty pretty great. Um, is do you find that to be a good Facebook group? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I like. I think it's uh, it's got a good vibe. So yeah, um, I'm always happy about that. Well, I'm glad you found it. Um, and if any of it's helped you, it sounds like you didn't need much help. You seem like you know what the hell you're doing. So um, just very cool that you're here. Thank you. Thank you. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G V O K E G L U C A G O N dot com forward slash juice box. And I don't want to forget to thank Devin for coming on the show and sharing her very unique story. Thank you so much, Devin. And if you love watching dancing, well, 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 we've got a surprise for you. Touch by Type 1 is Dancing for Diabetes. Find out why, where, and how at touchbytype1.org. Are you enjoying the Juicebox podcast? Please share it with someone else who you think might also enjoy it. Are you really loving it? Like, is it hitting you right in the soft, gooey spot in the middle? And you're like, oh, my gosh, I love this podcast. I have so many wonderful things to say about it. If you are, leave a five-star rating and a beautiful review wherever you listen. Like, if you listen in a podcast app, go into the app and see if you're allowed to rate the show. And if you are, rate, 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 rate. How many five? Rate, 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 rate. Great rate. And then say something really meaningful about the show that might help a new listener to want to listen. Thank you so much for listening. The show is doing terrific. It is because of you. It is because of your sharing. I really couldn't say thank you enough or or, or even find the words, I think, to express how grateful I am. Thank you so much for being here. I'll be back very soon with another episode. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I meant to also say t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. U.S. resident with type 1, U.S. resident who is the caregiver of someone with type 1. Take the survey. You can do it on your sofa from your phone. It takes less than 10 minutes. I'm being serious. They're not difficult questions. They're not probing or deep or super personal. You're going to be helping people living with type 1 diabetes when you complete the survey. You're going to be helping the show. If you can do that, I would really appreciate it. I'm trying to personally, with the power of this podcast, push 2,000 new surveys to the T1D Exchange before the end of November, before the end of Diabetes Awareness Month. If you could just give me 10 minutes on this, it would mean a lot.